Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Better Food Stories podcast, the podcast that celebrates the people who are changing today's food industry as we know it. I am your host, Audrea Greenhoff, and I am crazy excited for today's episode. I know I say that about every episode, but I am especially excited about today's episode because I am interviewing Raquel Tavares of Fourth and Heart, which is one of my favorite, favorite brands that I use all the time. Now, if you're not familiar with Fourth and Heart, we'll get into it in just a second. But first, let me give you a little background about Raquel. She always knew she wanted to create something from hemp clothing to better yoga mats. She had notebooks and notebooks filled with sketches and ideas of products that she wanted to invent. But it was her love of cooking and her mother's passion for Ayurveda that ultimately led her down the path of food entrepreneurship to create the brand Fourth and Heart. With a line of grass-fed, spreadable butter known as ghee. And it is one of my favorite brands of ghee out there. In my conversation with Raquel, we chat about how she was inspired to turn the concept of ghee into a business, how she's using the help of social media influencers to help her continue to demystify ghee as a food product, how she landed her first major deal with Thrive Market, and what she thinks the biggest challenges are about today's food industry. She was also so friendly and so much fun to talk to. I think you're going to love this episode. Um, So without further ado... Here is my conversation with Raquel Tavares of Fourth and Heart. So Raquel, welcome to Better Food Stories. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk about your business and how you built this. So why don't we start with you telling our listeners who you are and exactly what you do? My name is Raquel Tavares, and I'm the founder and CEO of Fourth and Heart, and I am here kind of just operating the company and really driving the brand and product development, Uh, but I am supported by a fantastic team, which makes my job very easy. Awesome. So how long have you been in business? We were founded in 2015, so we're going on our we're going into our fourth year of business. Fantastic! And I know that right now you are focused on ancient pantry food staples, starting with ghee. Um, so tell us a little bit about your product line currently, and you know, kind of how did you become interested in ghee? How did that turn into a business idea? Yeah, so I first became interested in ghee when I was a teenager in my latter teens. Um, my mother is a is a now a 
board certified lactation consultant, but there was a, a long process for her getting there. So I, when I was a child, I was born in Brazil. And at that time she became very interested in nutrition because a lot of people in Brazil were suffering from diabetes and she started to wonder why. So she went into understanding sugar and of course read famous books like the sugar blues later down the road she she became very interested in nutrition which led her to holistic modalities of nutrition eventually leading to ayurveda after i was in my teens um and then she used me as her crash test dummy because she did a three-year program at the california college of ayurvedic medicine which was very comprehensive and required labs. And I was, of course, the lab rat. (laughs) Needless to say, that's when we started using ghee in the house. That's fantastic. So when was it that you, you know, you started using ghee, you kind of were passionate about this as a cooking staple. When did you get the idea of maybe I could turn this into a business? So I got the idea to turn the to turn ghee into a like a Western consumer food when I was about six months postpartum of my um, youngest child, and I had not been working for about nine months to a year and just started climbing the walls. Uh, simultaneously, my grandmother passed away in Brazil, and I inherited a small amount of money that. I that afforded me the luxury of looking into starting my own business because it's something I always wanted to do. I was what they I think they call it like a like a was it sofa entrepreneur where you write a lot of business plans but you don't actually execute the plan. And I did execute one plan. I ran a yoga studio for a while while in parallel to to running a marketing department for a telecom company and wow. San Francisco. However, I had to shut it down because my business partner decided that she didn't want to do it anymore. And I actually tried to sell the company for a little bit of money, but I, I didn't actually succeed, which was good because every entrepreneur needs a failure, as they say, right? Sure. Um, fail once, that was a good thing to fail at. Um, so after not working for so long, wanting to go back to work in combination with the inheritance, I started looking at companies to acquire small companies on bizben.com. And I would start going in there and spending, you know, hours and hours looking at companies, downloading their financials, figuring out what would work. And that put me into kitchens because I started looking at food delivery services and that put me into you know, looking at the, the, looking at, really looking at a food business that was a delivery business and understanding that the inventory is a very difficult aspect of operating a food business. So I said, instead, let's try to find something instead of having, you know, 20 ingredients I have to work with, let's try to find something that's just one ingredient and replicate what's already worked. Not exactly, but 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 model after that. So looking at Justin's peanut butter, looking at Chobani, looking at, you know, a plethora of food products that have been launched. And there was a common thread in all of those. And it was an everyday ingredient that people 
basically upgraded and and improved. So Greek Giovanni Greek yogurt put into a lot of flavors, beautiful packaging. And so I went to the drawing board and tried to figure out what is still out there that hasn't been done before because it's everything's been done, you know. I mean we have cricket flour for God's sakes. So um for goodness sakes and um and uh, I was in my kitchen looking at my countertop and just thinking, and I saw a jar of ghee there, and I thought, shelf-stable butter, that's it. And um, I ended up with ghee. <laughs> I love that. So, so right now, since you've started, tell me a little bit about your product line. What are some of the different um, types of ghee products that people can buy from you? And what is kind of the major ways like who are your customers and and how are they using your products like what are they the most popular things that they're doing with them so we have a pretty solid portfolio of products now with three different suites of products mm-hmm. he being our core set and then also responsible for the majority of our revenue remains to be key. Um, so we have five ghee flavors and original Himalayan salt, vanilla, garlic, and most recently turmeric. Ooh. Yep. So five and, uh, the original and salt are our best sellers. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Um, then we have our line of oils, which are hybrid cooking oils. Uh, the idea with the ghee was, Originally, to put the ghee into the horribles from the original business plan I wrote in 2013. And they that was to make people understand, Westerners understand, that you that ghee is just a cooking oil and played a large part in demystification of ghee. So we have we had to add some carrier oils in order to avoid putting in synthetic binders and propellants and preservatives okay. and avoid adding water. So we've ended up with this hybrid, pourable, high heat cooking oil that still tastes like a light version of ghee, which is also nice because therefore you have a high heat cooking oil that tastes like butter, but that's not overpowering in, in that you can still cook with it and it doesn't need to taste like butter. It can still taste like what it's going to end up tasting like. So, um, that was launched in 2016, 17, 2017. And then we launched our chocolate spreads, which have ghee in them. So those are our third suite of products and they are primarily just three ingredients. We have three flavors original passion fruit and the other one is coffee and guarana which is a brazilian caffeine coming from a root actually actually a little um it's actually not a root it looks like a root when you see it compounded but in the amazon but it's just like a like like a bean um like a bean fruit like a coffee bean so that um was our third suite of products and now we are kind of just back to the drawing board figuring out what's next that's exciting so it sort of segues into my next question you know looking over your website and your social media it's very apparent your brand has a very specific mission and that's 
to modernize and kind of like you said demystify these ancient kind of pantry food staples um so what is next are you thinking of expanding to maybe a different ingredient outside of ghee or expanding more of the ghee products what we are looking at for future products are any is anything that ghee can main be still that golden thread that got it ties it all together and the the benefit and drawback of that really leaves a big pool of options yeah so we are looking into something that the consumer can eat every day uh or drink every day that doesn't necessarily is not necessarily a condiment or a commodity Um, that's kind of where we're kicking the ball around right now cool so talk to me a little bit about your customer base and when you first launched the company to where you are now, where were you first getting customers when you were just getting off the ground and has that changed at all um, to where people are finding you now? When we first started, well, when I first started the company, the goal was to go directly to distribution. Uh-huh. So I started online and I did sell some product on Shopify out of my my condo at the time. And we did sell at a craft fair, the Echo Park Craft Fair in Los Angeles and one farmer's market. That's it. But my goal was to actually bypass that very painful process of early consumer adoption, you know, uh, direct to consumer adoption. I wanted to take it directly to a trade show and that's what I did. So our first customers were technically distributors and actually Thrive Market was our second customer. We sold a lot of product through their online site because we were direct to Thrive at the time. Now they buy through our distributors. So so we access consumers through their grocery stores. Um, Central Market and Earth Fair being our first brick and mortar customers. And then aside from reaching consumers that way, we spent a lot of time engaging on social and doing a lot of demo because, you know, there's a huge education curve associated with it. Um, and now we tend to do the same thing, but just have to put a little bit more spend behind it because we have more distribution and we have more customers. Um, so to your second point, who are, who are our customers? They are really, and it sounds kind of cliche because you hear everyone saying this, but you know, the largest consumers are the Gen X and the millennial population. So we do, we're very fortunate in that. The consumer is highly educated. They're very critical about what they buy. They're comfortable spending a little bit more for quality ingredients because we're a premium product. It's, you know, can be very expensive to buy sometimes, but, you know, I think people are now making educated choices and and putting that money into their body. Um, And so we're fortunate to have those be our And you mentioned that there is still a fair amount of educating the customer, even though, like you said, I'm sure a lot of people are coming to you already knowing exactly, you know, the type of product that they want. What kind of things are you doing um, as far as 
um, strategy to to educate the customers across like social and your other channels? Yeah, to educate the customers, we are now formally engaging about four influencers a month, and we task them with specific requests sometimes, and a lot of times that will be specific to education, but we also make in-house content. We have not done it. Last year, we, we had put a little bit of a pause on it, but we did some videos on what is ghee and how to cook with ghee. And of course, I do spend some time doing podcasts and we work with our PR team to get print media as well circulated in the more popular magazines like Self Magazine, uh, Good Housekeeping, and those in which aren't necessarily always are targeting our, our core customer, but maybe it's targeting their aunt or their grandmother, but what the goal is to start a conversation at the family table. And I think, you know, I think we can all relate to the day that we brought something really cool home to our family and we wanted them to try it. Like when everyone was like, you have to switch out your quinoa for your brown rice. <laughs> yeah. You know, now it's like, don't eat quinoa. But, you know, um, so I think it's just, we, our goal is to start a conversation and I think when you start a conversation amongst friends, then people adopt or they don't, but those who do stick with it. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. When it comes to maybe an effort that you thought was going to be really successful in helping you grow and scale, was there anything that you tried that maybe surprisingly didn't work at all for you? This is kind of an example. So in education, in our oil sprays and sprays part of putting in the deliverables as i mentioned was to educate people on it being just a cooking oil right taking it out of the jar putting it in a pourable more familiar format so we use grapeseed oil grapeseed oil is highly controversial for some very bizarre reason because it's high in omega-6 fatty acids if you do your research you'll find out that it's not as dangerous and grapeseed specifically is less dangerous than others. And then when it's cut with the grape, with the ghee, it's actually less omega-6 fatty acids, Mm -hmm. but some influencers are just not going to use grapeseed oil regardless. But I think that's a lot because of a lack of misinformation that's for, for, because of a plethora of misinformation that's out there. If you really read and, and do your homework, you'll find out that it's really not that dangerous, specifically for healthy people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I would say that maybe that was, you know, maybe I could have used a different oil, but we tried to use like 50 different oils and for a variety of reasons, because grapeseed oil wasn't an allergen, meaning no almonds, mm-hmm. it had a high smoke point like ghee and it doesn't have a strong flavor. So it still tasted like butter rather than, avocado oil, for example, we chose that oil. Um, But who knows, maybe I should have added binders and fillers. That was kind of a learning experience because I didn't know people how to 
violent opposition to grapeseed oil. But needless to say, we're actually cutting it with a third oil and adding avocado oil because we found something that is is very light tasting. Mm-hmm. And um, so therefore, to have even less omega-6 fatty acids, making it a more balanced oil. But cool. that's one example. I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, today's food landscape. Part of the reason why uh, we started this podcast was because there are so many brands right now kind of challenging this sort of traditional uh, food industry that, you know, we've seen major changes. People, like you said, are becoming more educated, are wanting more transparency and seeing where their food comes from. Being sort of in the weeds, so to speak, as a food entrepreneur, what do you think is the best part of today's uh, food landscape? And where do you think there's still room uh, for improvement? I think the best part, the best part of the food landscape, Mm -hmm. the best part is that people are looking at food critically because they really care about the what's going into their bodies they care about the environment and they care about the overall well-being of health at the same time and i think that's very 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 positive because um it's fundamental to our well-being And the only thing is it's a double-edged sword because, for example, non-GMO labeling. It's fantastic. The consumer needs to be aware of what's going in their food. They want to make sure that we are not propagating the use of of GMOs by decreasing the demand. So I think that is great for those who are very fortunate and have the disposable income to buy that food, but at the same time, it drives up costs of food for those who can't afford it. And I think that's one of the pitfalls. So I think it's also, I think it's the benefit and I also think it's a a drawback. Yeah. That totally makes sense, especially because, yeah, like you said, things are getting more expensive. So, you know, we'll see. Where where do you think, the industry is going to go in the next, you know, couple of years. What do you see consumers um, wanting more or less of? Um, the industry, the food industry in the future. I, if I am no expert by any means. If I had to guess, right now we see a lot of people making, you know, different types of things like kind of going far away from the core of what food is because people who eat healthy want to eat foods that are not very processed. Right. But in order to make some of these really cool foods, right, like carrot pizza crust, let's just say that, for example, Mm -hmm. there goes in a lot of processing and that causes a lot of environmental strains, right? Mm -hmm. I think that will proliferate for a while but at the end of the day the the consumer will go back to the basics and start really paying more attention to eating whole foods people are paying attention but they're kind of deviating from that and they're making these outlying exceptions to eating processed foods um like you know highly processed vegan cheeses for example yeah you know so that's my guess 
but I am not an expert. <laughs> oh, no, but that's great insight. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your journey uh, to becoming an entrepreneur. You mentioned you had um, at one point a lot of ideas. You called yourself sort of like a couch um, or sofa entrepreneur. Did you always know that starting a business was something that you wanted to do? And then what were you doing before Fourth and Heart? I definitely knew it's always something I always wanted to do. I have I have journals from when I was 19 years old with sketches of hemp lingerie clothing and and also yoga mat bags and yoga mat cleaner spray before it ever existed um so so yes definitely I always wanted to create something I should say I don't know that I associated that with necessarily operating a business because they're not the same thing (laughs) but uh yes but you knew you wanted to be a creator that's really cool Well, this has been super insightful. Thank you for taking the time. Before we wrap up, um, I like to switch gears and ask all my guests like a series of fun sort of rapid fire questions. Are you up for that? Absolutely. Okay, so let's start with number one. What is your favorite day of the week and why? The week seems like one big day and sometimes (laughs) I don't know what day it is because I work around the clock. Um, you know, honestly, sometimes I I can, I can tell you that I like Mondays a lot. I'm kind of the opposite of the norm. I like to come into my office and see everybody and get to work and know how many orders are in for the week because they sometimes don't tell me until it's all counted. So they know, you know, like I'm kept out of some things for, uh, safety reasons, (laughs) but I like Mondays. Cool. Number two, what is the last TV show or movie that you watched? The my, the most recent movie I watched was Simple uh, Simple Favors with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Oh, I've seen the, the preview for that. Did you like it? I loved it. It's a black comedy and Blake Lively is is a fantastic character. Oh, and cool. Anna Kendrick is her antithesis and then they kind of like role reverse at the end. It's very good. I think every woman on the planet would watch that movie and like it. Cool. It's definitely on my list. I like them both, um, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. So very cool. I'm glad that got a positive review because I really want to see it. You won't regret it. Cool. Number three, if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Coffee, wine, and... (laughs) So, no, let me talk, speak seriously. So, if I had to only pick three foods for the rest of my life, I would have to say grilled, pasture-raised, of course, chicken, and a, I guess, this is going to be a weird combination, chocolate. Okay. <laughs> and... um I think I, I think I'd have to have wine. That's pretty solid. Grilled chicken, wine, and followed by some chocolate. I think that would work. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Or not a paleo or a keto. I know, day. right? <laughs> well, this is assuming you know in a in a some utopian place. Okay, I don't follow. Like, I don't. I don't, I don't do either on a regularity. <laughs> 
Okay, number four, what's one thing most people would never guess about you? I, one thing people would never guess about me, I guess it depends on who you're asking, but I love to write. Cool. Poetry. Do you do it often? Do you get a chance? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've got journals and journals and journals of poetry. That's fantastic. Ever thought of maybe putting it into a book at some point? I have one book put together, yes. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, this has been great. Um, before we sign off, where can people learn more about you and Fourth and Heart? We are uh, at fourthandheart.com. And our Instagram is at fourthandheart, spelled out. And if you want to visit me on Instagram, I am at Raktify, R-A-Q-T-I-F-Y. Perfect. And we'll go ahead and put links to all of that um, in the show notes so people can find out more about you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series, you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit AudreaGreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram.